Welcome back to our Book Talk segment. Great to welcome one of the co-authors. Very interesting book and a very uh, helpful book, I'm sure. It is called The Atlas of Disappearing Places, Our Coasts and Oceans in a Climate Crisis. And it uh, deals, obviously, with uh, uh, coastlines and uh, water and uh, what's going on as far as uh, the climate goes there and maybe what we can do to hopefully uh, change things or make things better. We're joined today by Christina Conklin. She, along with Marina Saros, are co-authors of this book. And Christina joined us by phone today, I believe, from California. Christina, good to talk with you. How are you? I'm I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm yes, near near San Francisco, right next to the ocean. Is it Half Moon Bay? I didn't know what part of California that was. That's up by San Francisco. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, you you know as and well, I really, guess, as I really do down out. here in Florida. You, you live near the water like I do, so uh, we're dealing with our own issues down here in Florida with uh, with red tide and always with coastal things. So uh, I was uh, particularly interested in uh, in reading your book, and I know it kind of the book kind of goes all throughout the entire world, U.S. and uh, all over the world with uh, situations that are uh, a little uh, a little intimidating, I guess, to kind of for people to to look at. But I guess we have to, right? Right. I think I think our point in writing the book was to really look, you know, as honestly as possible at what the what the what the scientists have have found is happening all over the world in different systems. Everything from, you know, the science of, of what's going on in the deep ocean with um, uh, organisms, you know, facing all kinds of like oxygen levels have dropped and the ocean is more acidic than it used to be. Um, you know, these are these are measurements that are also predicted to get worse in the in the coming decades. So it's both um, looking at the ocean as a as a complex biological system um, that we all depend on. Right. So half the oxygen we breathe comes from microorganisms in the ocean. So we really need to pay attention to the ocean in a way we don't don't necessarily usually do on a daily basis. Um, but it does affect us all. Yeah, you don't really think, I don't really think about it, I guess most people don't, that the, we always think of it comes from trees and most of the oxygen we get, but uh, reading your book, I didn't realize how much, like you just said, uh, came from the ocean. It's interesting to uh, to know. Yeah, I think actually most of, you know, if you measure the, the, the weight of all life on Earth, most of it's in the ocean, and it's mostly microscopic. Um, so it seems like it might not be significant, but it, it has so much to do with the um, the, you know, the life processes that, that sustain us all, that creates the weather systems that, yeah, and the very oxygen we breathe. So it, it is important to, to pay attention to even the things that we can't see. Um, of course, what we can see in a place like Florida is, you know, sunny day flooding that comes up because of uh, rising sea levels. Mm-hmm. Sea levels have already risen eight to 10 inches, and they're on track to, to, to rise another three and possibly even five or six feet um, just in the next coming decades. Um, and it's not going to stop after that. So unless we really change our relationship to, uh, to fossil fuels and the energy industry, um, we have a, a, an awful lot of difficulties ahead of us. I know you talk a little bit in the book about it, but is most of the situation, rising water levels and all that, is it percentage-wise most of it from man-made pollution, or is there some natural things that happen no matter what we do that uh, i know we can prevent it with a lot of you know don't pollute and all that but are, are natural things occurring too right. that we have no control over well there are some there are natural cycles always happening but what's happening right now is that we have put um a lot of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere from burning fossil fuels right and the amount of ab- amount we have in the atmosphere right now has not been we have not had this situation for three million years so um, that has definitely been been shown to be, um, you know, vast majority of it. I, 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 
from from burning fossil fuels, and that's the, really the thing we need to look at. Um, if we're going to change the story for our children and our, and our grandchildren, we need to um, to go to a clean energy economy and and take that number back down um, to a safe level where seas won't continue to rise um, for the hundreds of years to come. Let's talk a little bit about how you put the book together, and you really did a great job, you and your uh, co-author Marina, with uh, not only the the text and uh, and the uh, and you know the uh, the drawings as well, but the way you did the drawings, I thought was kind of unique. You used uh, dried seaweed. I'd never heard of that before. That was kind of interesting. That's right. No, I I kind of came up with that technique. I was actually in the Arctic researching this book and uh, found found seaweed uh, washing up on the shore there, and um, I, and I started painting on it. And so I I realized that how great it would be to take a material from the ocean to illustrate the changes that are happening in the ocean. And it has this sort of beautiful parchment-like quality. Um, and, and I created them in layers on top of a more traditional map to show where the changes, you know, whether it's the, the Pacific garbage patch in one map or uh, a social vulnerability map of New York City. So the kind of the, the scientists' climate maps uh, are actually, I layered them on top of, the exi- of a sort of a standard existing map to show um, how these things are intersecting and, and what we need to be paying attention yeah, to. Yeah, great, great great idea. And you talk about New York. I'm a native New Yorker, so that was a particularly interesting chapter for me as well. I know with the uh, yeah. tropical storm that came through there a few years ago, which uh, we had a couple when I lived up there, but nothing like that. I was glad I was down here at that point. But New York is really uh, obviously surrounded by water, so uh, they're dealing with it as well. Well, so for New York, for example, and, and like so many, two-thirds of the world's major cities are on coasts. And so New York has 525 miles of shoreline, um, and you can't really build a wall around an entire city that's going to have, um, you know, rising seas and storms uh, coming more and more often. So what, what we really need to be thinking about is long-term solutions and, and changing our our planning laws and where we develop things and where we build things to, to build out of harm's way. And I, I, the same would, would be true in Florida. We, 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 right now we're suffering from real short-term thinking. And part of that is because the changes that happen in the ocean and in the climate um, take a while to catch up with the, for scientific reasons, with the amount of carbon that's already in the atmosphere. It can take decades. So, so we have, so more change is going to come faster as we approach the middle of the century. And, and I think people are already feeling a little bit um, stunned by the heat waves and the storms. And it's, you know, it's all going to get worse unless we really make some fairly dramatic changes now to our laws and our policies and the way we shop and live. Yeah. I know you don't have Florida particularly in the book, but do you have any idea what's causing all the red tide down here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we do have it. I do have a chapter on harm, harmful algal blooms and harmful. I did see that. Yeah, happen. right. Yep. Yeah, and so they're, it's related. So, so the red tides is a kind of harmful algal bloom, and it happens when uh, we put too much fertilizer on our farmlands, and all of that fertilizer washes into the ocean, and um, and there are dead zones all around the coast of the world, um, but the Gulf is is in particularly bad shape, along with many other places. Um, and it has to do with an overconsumption of fertilizer on our farms. And so that's, again, something that we could be looking at in terms of, um, you know, upstream policy that, that has an effect on our oceans. And then it causes, you know, fish kills and red tides and 
all kinds of misery. So, um, you know, the, these things are all related. And that's, that's another way in which, you know, h- how our, our inland areas are related to our coastal areas, and it's, it's all one big interconnected system. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, because that's kind of what I thought. I had to do something with pollution, and you also hear the other theory, well, just a natural occurrence. Nature doesn't do that unless there's something irritating it. So uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you wrote something in the book about that. Because <laughs> it, yes, it really shuts I mean, down the beaches are, down we're here. Aggravating, you know? We're aggravating Mother Nature. And actually, another chapter I wrote about the, the, the plankton in the ocean and the kind of the systems of uh, the healthy systems in the ocean. We're going to have more jellyfish in the coming decades oh, no. because they like a warmer <laughs> ocean. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we have to uh, we have to wake up and pay attention now um, or a lot of these things are just going to become worse and worse. One of the strangest creatures God ever created. But uh, I guess there's a purpose for them, but uh, they're not pleasant. <laughs> no, but the other thing is that every chapter every chapter we wrote, we wrote a, a story from the, the viewpoint of 2050. I was going to say, you had a future, future what, part of it, yeah, which is good. Yeah, because we wanted to talk about what's possible and pragmatic possibilities for, like, what we can do as individuals and as communities to build community resilience and uh, come together and and kind of refined our relationship with the natural world so that we don't feel like it's a man versus nature uh, situation anymore. Um, But we really kind of partner with nature to, um, you know, to to build healthy communities and and kind of recover the health of our planet, which is... Right now, as you said, is coming coming to coming to coming to bite us because we've we've done some damage and you know the system is is um, is responding. I know we're just about out of our allotted time. Again, I want to give the title once again: "The Atlas of Disappearing Places: Our Coasts and Oceans in the Climate Crisis." And uh, we've been talking with Christina Conklin today. Marina uh, Saros is uh, her co-author, also great illustrations. But uh, like you said, uh, you know. Kind of tough uh, material to uh, to look at, but if you don't look at it, nothing's going to change. But like you said, you have the future kind of uh, paragraphs in there that there is hope. So that, that's good. You leave us on a positive note, Christina. That's right. We can all act locally and we can all build a better future. Give out your website, if you will. People will get more information about the book. Yes. You can find out more about my, my artwork and writing at christinaconklin.com. And uh, the book the book publishes today, so it's available everywhere today. Great. We'll also put a link on our site as well. But, Christina, great talking with you. Good luck with the book, and hopefully we can talk to you again. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Stan Brock. 30 years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the healthcare they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America.